Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for all your goodness to us. We thank you, Lord, for your word that you have spoken and given to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask that you pour out your Holy Spirit on us now. Lord, we ask you to give your word life within us, to release its authority in us and among us. Lord, I ask you to give me words to speak, but that my own words and thoughts might be forgotten. In Jesus' name. Amen. I have something very shocking to say to you. Sometimes I'm very frustrating to Veronica. <laughs> you ask her, she could probably give you quite a list of things. But I know one of the things is when we go shopping or we go out to eat and I am faced with a choice. There are occasions where I know exactly what I want and then there are times like when you go into a really good ice cream shop and how do you pick? There are just so many good things that are there. And especially somewhere like Marble Slab, where you have to decide what you want in with it, and how you can get mixed together. So there are times, you know, you just sit there and they've got this great huge menu. That looks good. Well, that looks good. Oh wait, that looks good. Well, that might be nice. I've never had that. Oh, look at the price. <laughs> and I'm the, I'm the one that when we're all sitting at the table, I want to be last because I probably have changed my mind twice as it goes around. And even when they get to me sometimes, I'm still going, I'll have this. Because I don't actually always know what's, what it is that I, what I want. And, and the, the things that stir around inside us sometimes, and sometimes there's more significant things in life where, where that's the case. You have to figure it out. The other day we were in um, uh, one of the antique stores here. And uh, my favorite part of the antique store is the books. And I, because sometimes you find a great treasure for like 50 cents or something. And so I was looking through and I ran across this book um, from, I think it's 1973, by Dr. Joyce Brothers, I think is the author's name. How to get whatever you want out of life. And I leafed through the book and I, and I would say to you, who are Christians, don't buy the book and read it. This, this would not be good for your soul. <laughs> they have a chapter on how to manipulate people. They have, a, you know, all these things about how to how to get what you want. Now that's an interesting thing. How do you get what you really want? But of course, you have to back up that other step too, don't you? What is it that you want? And that can be a very significant question. So it was that Jesus is heading out of Jericho. He's on his way now to Jerusalem for the very last time. If you recall over the last number of weeks as we've been reading the gospel, Jesus has told the disciples what's coming, that he's going to be arrested and put to death. We've heard about some of the things that have gone on, about who's going to be the greatest and all those kinds of things. And then today is, is just this, this brief encounter, or at least you know what, what's written is so brief um, that Mark tells us, where Bartimaeus, which incidentally means son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus is there at the edge of town, doing his usual thing, which is to beg. He's blind, he has no way to get by in life other than what people give to him. 
You can't work, you can't have a job, any of those kinds of things. And that, that was his life. And so a great crowd is coming by, which gives him the opportunity, of course, to get a little more. If there's more people, there's a better chance. And he'd sit there and, I don't know what he rang his cup, I don't know what he had to, to beg for money. And somehow he overhears, or someone says to him, or he asks, we don't know, that this is Jesus going by. And so he begins to shout, because of course he can't see where Jesus is. All he knows is this great huge crowd is all around him, and somewhere going along the road, Jesus is going to walk by. And so he just begins to shout, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. And as crowds do, as someone is shouting and carrying on, they say to him something very kind and compassionate and helpful, like, shut up. <laughs> and I love the way Mark phrases it. So he cried all the more loudly. <laughs> Which is actually something very significant. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus heard him shouting. He says, tell him to come here. So they go get Bartimaeus and they bring him to Jesus. And then comes the question, what do you want? Now, on one level, you'd think this would be obvious. We've been told he's a blind man, he's a beggar, all those kinds of things. And yet Jesus still asks him. He didn't say, your sight is given to you or something like that. He says, what do you want? This becomes a significant moment for Bartimaeus. Because there are all kinds of things wrapped up in his situation. Where's his family? What's his place in the community? We don't know these things. There are all kinds of things he could have asked for. But what he did was, was just give that simple request. Lord, I want to see you again. So we know he used to see. He had lost his sight somehow. And he just knows that this man walking by can do something for him. And Jesus opens the door wide in that moment. He says, what is it that you want? Bartimaeus, in that moment, opens his life because when he lost his sight, everything else went. Whatever his trade had been or his life has been, his place, the way he could travel, all those kinds of things, he disappeared. And he felt so painfully their loss. So he said, I, I want to see again. And Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. You're free to go. And what did Bartimaeus do? He followed walked with him. An encounter with the living God that transformed his life. But we need to back this up a little bit as we think about this. Bartimaeus, when he was shouting, said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That phrase, son of David, is a very significant phrase. It's a messianic title, a messianic uh, uh, acclamation. In other words, in just saying those words, Bartimaeus is saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah, you're the one sent from God, you are our hope, you are our future, you are my everything. Have mercy on you. He recognized that God's salvation was going by, and that's why he was shouting. 
Now, I don't know what your experience in huge crowds are. They're, not, they're among my least favorite places to be. But Bartimaeus is stuck in the middle of this crowd, and he begins to shout, Jesus, have mercy on me. And what does everybody say to him? Be quiet, you are irritating, you know, just, here's, here's a shackle, just go away. But Bartimaeus won't give up. People want to shove him to the side, shove him to the corner, put him, you know, for him to be quiet. If you were in the middle of a crowd and somebody told you just to be quiet, I'm not sure what you will do. It, it's great sometimes when you're at something like a football game or something like that, and that's going on, and people are shouting and carrying on. I, I remember um, one time I went uh, with a friend of mine to the football game. We have football in Canada. It's a little bit different than you play here. The rules are far better. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I went with my friend. We went to watch the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And the Edmonton Eskimos were playing, and my team is Edmonton. Uh, that's the team I cheer for is the Eskimos. And of course, my friend, he's he's has some issues, so he was cheering for Saskatchewan. <laughs> but we were visiting them, and we went on the road to go. We drove to go see this game in Saskatchewan. So I'm the one sitting there, um, watching, very conscious that I'm completely surrounded. Now you have to understand something about Saskatchewan fans. They have issues. <laughs> so I wasn't sure what it was going to be like because we're sitting with my friend's friends. And they're all Saskatchewan fans. And after a while, I was getting into the game. And Edmonton had a good place, so of course I jump up and cheer. And all of a sudden I realize I'm the only one. Now, they were very gracious. Nobody said anything, and it probably worked out okay because in the end, Edmonton lost, so that probably made it all okay. But there are times when, when I've been at sports games or different things where somebody will do that. They'll stand up, they'll shove, they'll carry on, and the people around them don't like it. And that's when the real entertainment starts. Forget <laughs> what's going on in the field. Now you can put money on who's going to win the scrap right here, two rows in front of you. So Bartimaeus is shouting. And all of a sudden there's this, the potential for whatever's going to go on and, and for people just to, to really make him be quiet and all those kinds of things. But you see there was this cry in the depth of his soul. I need this. And only this man, only Jesus can do this for me. So he shouted louder. This was his opportunity. This was the day Jesus was in his town. He was not going to let go of this. So no matter what it took, he was going to shout, he was going to make a fuss, he was going to do whatever it took for somehow the message to get to this man who was going by, wherever it was, close to him, far from him, he didn't care, he just needed Jesus. And when Jesus touched him, that was the one thing he wanted, so now he'll follow Jesus. That's what he needed, that's what he wanted, that was his heart. So there's that question again, what is it that you want? What is it that any of us want? And what is Jesus' heart in this? So often we see that where, where people would come to Jesus and sometimes the disciples didn't want them there, like with the little children, or a uh, time a, a community rejected Jesus and they wanted to burn up the town, all those kinds of things. Jesus was never like that though. When somebody was crying out to him, he always stopped. 
His heart was always open to those who came to him, who were searching, who were broken, who were blind or deaf or lame, and sometimes even dead. You see, that is our God's heart. It had always been such. See, right back in the book of Jeremiah, we have um, this prophecy. And in the prophecy, Jeremiah is, is given the words to... to um, for thus says the Lord, Sing aloud with gladness for Jacob, and raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, The Lord has saved his people, the remnant of Israel. In some of the translations, it actually says, Ask the Lord, save your people. But what this shows us is God's heart is for those who are lost, who are, who are away from Him. And God's heart is to bring them back. So He says, I will save them. I will bring them back from wherever they've been. Even if they if they're shouldn't be traveling. The women who are pregnant and with child. And He says, I'll bring them back. Even weeping. I'll gather them in. That's my heart. In the Psalm, Psalm 126, it talks about when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, then were we like those who dream. And it begins with this memory of how God had saved his people in the past. And the writer saying how awesome this was when God saved us. It was a time of rejoicing. The whole world saw what our God did. So God restore us. Those who go out weeping will return carrying the harvest. It's that turning point where remembering what God had done led them to say, God, save us now. We need to be restored. Then in the book of Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews has been writing for several chapters. We've read this for several, this is the third week in a row, talking about Jesus as our great high priest. The job of the high priest is to appeal to God on behalf of His people. To offer sacrifice for their sins, to offer sacrifice of worship on their behalf, but to intercede for them. And Hebrews tells us that Jesus does this. He's the ultimate high priest. He is the permanent high priest from the day of the cross through eternity. And He lives to intercede for us. But it also says He did it all on the cross. It has been accomplished. He doesn't offer sacrifices over and over and over again. He did it once for all forever on the cross. He gave the ultimate and complete and total sacrifice and rose again from the dead to give us salvation. And now he stands, the writer of Hebrews says, for us. To say, it is finished, it is complete, and my heart is for you. I intercede for you. I would gather you up in my arms and bring you to the throne. Not for judgment, but for salvation, if you would come. What is it that we want? This is a big question. Ultimately, of course, the best answer is the one Bartimaeus had. I just want Jesus. And so for each of us, there's this opportunity, the door is open to us. See, God loves us. 
God invites us to come into His presence with what our needs are. The biggest thing, of course, is our relationship with Him. That's what He wants most. That's what we need most. Is to have intimacy with the God who loves us, who died for us, who rose again for us, who would hold us in His hands for eternity. Who would fill us with His love and His joy and His grace and His peace and His presence. That's what He wants first and foremost for each of us. And if that's what we want, then he says, come. Come to me. Come to me, you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will refresh you. Come to me. But he also says that about the needs that we continue to walk in. As long as we walk on this earth, we run into issues. Some of those issues we bring on ourselves, and some of us bring more on ourselves than others do. So we need His healing, we need His forgiveness, we need His direction to straighten us out. Sometimes we, because of the fallenness of the world, and the brokenness of the world, we carry hurts that have happened to us. We've hurt ourselves or others have hurt us. And in that moment we say, well, what do you want? Do you want revenge? Do you want justice? Do you want forgiveness? Do you want freedom? Do you want release? I'd suggest the latter is what God pours out. Just come and be healed. Let me take care of the other stuff. But for you, let me take you in my hands and hold you and heal you. And our bodies, they wear out, don't they? There's some things that just as, as we get older, it seems we use them up. And sometimes things happen to us, and then there's sickness, and there's disease, and all there's, there's all those kinds of things. And yet we see in the scripture, even those things, Jesus can take care of. And so what is it that we want? But at the heart of it, isn't just so that we have happiness in life, but so that we have the wholeness of what God has for us. The good news to all of us is whatever it is that we've brought here with us today, our loving God says to us, what is it that you want today? I hope at the top of the list is a very simple word. You. I want you, God. I want to be with you. I want to hear you. I want to feel your touch. I want to hear your voice. I want your grace. I want your presence. I want to be yours. That's a prayer Jesus always says, yep. And we can come here with confidence because he's already shown us that's his heart too. I want you. I want you to know me. I want you to experience my presence and my love so we know there's no question of whether or not we will answer that prayer with a yes. Absolutely. But he also cares about the thing that you are carrying. And some of you this morning are carrying something. A struggle or a worry or an illness or something. And Jesus would say to you this morning, what do you want? And again, that's an interesting question. 
Because sometimes people, despite what they say, they don't actually want healing. They'll ask for help to get by. <clears throat> or sometimes people will say, um, they'll speak about their, their, their situation, your, your sore elbow. Um, you know, I, this is my sore elbow. It's my, my sore elbow. It keeps me from doing things. And it actually becomes part of their identity, the way they think about themselves. And despite what their words say in their heart, they truly aren't looking to be released from it. Because by having this happen for them, and now it gets them a bit of attention and people's concern and care for them. And what they truly desire isn't for whatever that physical thing is, but what they're truly desiring is for someone to see them, someone to care about them, someone to give them attention. And God would heal that part. That He sees who you are, He cares about you as you are, that He knows what's going on, that He knows your name. Or maybe like Bartimaeus, it really is just, I need my elbow fixed. <laughs> So whatever those things are, once again this morning, we're going to pray and we're going to invite God and just offer those things to Him. Say, God, this is, this is what I want from you. This is what I have asked of you today. But I think it's also good for us to think about this in a little bigger picture and a, and a together picture. What is it that we want? As we think about who we are at St. Dunstan's and we think about our future, so you think about what's coming down the road next week or next month or next year. What is it that we want? I'm not sure churches always take the time to think about that. What is it that we want? And what is it that we want out of life? <coughs> so ten years from now when we look back, what would we say was success? What was it that we would say that is what we wanted to see? Hopefully it's not just we got by, or things went pretty good. There's a sign I saw the other day. Um, I almost picked it up. I might, I might get. It. Somebody else wants to go and get it first. It's in Brian's cheesecake. <laughs> it says, "If you feed them, they will come." And of course, that's the kind of thing that somebody's going to hang in their kitchen. It's great for Brian's because. But as I read that sign, I realized, you know, that's a spiritual sign. And there's something so much more profound about that than probably whoever made it even realized. If you feed them, they will come. Who's they? What does it mean to feed them? They means anybody who's in need of the love of God. They is the people outside the walls of this church. They is the people in this community, the other communities where you live. They are the people who don't know Jesus yet. They are the people who met him once or know a lot about him but don't walk with him. They are those who are walking hurting and lost and broken. They are the people who know enough about, about the Bible and enough about church to think they don't need it, that don't really know 
the grace and the glory and the goodness of God. That's who they is. But what is it to feed them so they will come? Well, yeah, if you can, you can give them food. And there's a lot of good food here. And that, and that works. There's, there's something about the fellowship around a meal, but there's actually something deeper than that. I think what that sign can mean if we feed them is if we feed their heart, their soul, they encounter the living God so that their deepest needs are met. They will come. And you know what? The word will get out. If people know that there is a place where they can go and their brokenness is healed, their loneliness is covered with the love of God, their wounds dress, where they have significance, where they matter, where they are loved, where the living God touches them so they cannot help but know He is alive, they will come. The best part of that is there's not a thing any one of us in this room can do to make that happen. We don't actually do that to you. It's the Jesus who says, what is it that you want? We have to be the place where the Holy Spirit is welcome and present, where we pray with and for one another, and where we make the point of not telling people to be quiet when they're suffering and complaining and things are going on, but when we say, come to Jesus, He's calling you. And in fact, that's the key part, isn't it? Bartimaeus was shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus heard him. What did Jesus say? Did he show back? Bartimaeus! Did it turn into a game of Marco Polo? Marco <laughs> Jesus, Bartimaeus! He said to somebody, go and tell him. And the person went and said, come, he's calling you. That's your job. You're the one who goes back and forth. And so we call him home. We say, we know the one who has what you need. So what do we want? What I want? I want this church, this parish, to be a place that is alive in the power of the Holy Spirit, where people meet Jesus. That's what I want for you. That's if we look back in ten years, I would say this wasn't just the people who heard, but these are people who lived. That would be awesome. What is it that we want for us? I, I pray that that will take hold of you and burn in your hearts so that you can't help but do something with it. That this is the place where people come and their hearts get fed. But in this moment, I also invite you to bring that, your future, your fears, your hopes for next week and the week after. Whatever it is that you carry this morning, let's just pray and ask God to touch you. I'm just going to leave a moment of quiet, and in that moment of quiet, just say in your heart to your God, this is what I want today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for your incredible goodness and mercy for us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that from the moment of creation, you have loved us, and that your heart has been open to us. And that even in our rebellion, you did not stop loving us. 
but already made a way for us to come back to you. Thank you, Jesus, for being our great high priest. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for rising again. Thank you for still loving us. And God, as your children, we come before you now with all our needs, with all our flaws, but also with our hopes, with our dreams, also knowing that you are the God that we love, that we serve, that we want to honor, that we want to be glorified in us and in this place. And Lord, we lay down our dreams and our needs before you. So Lord, in this moment, we lay before you what we need as a people, as a parish. We say again, O Holy Spirit, come and have your way with us. Conform us with the likeness of Jesus. Lord, we also come before you as individuals, thanking you that you know each one of us as we are. And Lord, we open our hearts to you and we would say to you, Lord, this is what, this is what I need, this is what I ask of you today. I, would, I really have the sense to say that and the Lord would say to you, it is okay to ask and to have faith that he hears and that he answers. So Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that all over this room you would touch hearts and bodies, souls, Lord, release your healing power. Lord, I pray that you draw people to you. Open ears to hear your voice. Open hearts to receive your love, your healing, and your mercy. Touch wounded and broken bodies. Heal us, God, and restore us. Lord, for answering our prayers. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you will continue to pour into your people. Fill us, God, with faith and with your joy. In Jesus' name.